Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. You were born in England, raised in Hong Kong, and now you're choosing to bring luxury experiences to women that have been enjoyed for centuries by men. I love that. I, I, I read that in, in your bio and I was like, this is so true. Hi, Genevieve. Hello, darling. How are you tonight? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm so happy to have you here in my podcast today. Um, there's Thanks so much. inviting me. <laughs> there is really so much that I want to ask you. So much that I think um, I want to get more insight off. Um, so I think I'm going to start asking you about why did you leave your corporate days in finance behind? <laughs> well, you know, life isn't all about just making money. And uh, I think we've certainly come to realize that a lot more during this pandemic. But um, my days in finance were particularly a routine. Uh, very much a male-dominated industry and quite dull on the whole, I have to say. Um, I just couldn't take that monotony any longer. And I really wanted to get to know myself and my body and, you know, working, I think I was working eight till eight, like, you know, 12-hour days. You don't get the chance to really breathe. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to get to know me and um, other women who felt the same way as me. Mm -hmm. So you founded Skirt Club. Um, so I'm, I'm going to assume that most of my listeners right now have never heard about Skirt Club. So I want you to please describe it as if this was a person who has never, ever heard about you or what you do. What is Skirt Club? Skirt Club, uh, is a community for women who may identify as either bi-curious or bisexual or just questioning. Um, often they're in relationships with a man or they're single looking for, um, I, I guess, a way to get to know other women like themselves, uh, someone to talk to about it, someone to take it a little bit further with, uh, but to identify with, with other people in the same boat. So I created this community so that we, we women could do that. Like, the world is you know, perfectly um, equipped with uh, communities, bars and um, other, other events for LGBTQ as in L and in G, so lesbian and gay, totally taken care of. And I think the population of most countries now is quite comfortable with identifying a straight or gay um, relationship. But that sort of gray area in between never has really been addressed and quite ignored um, by everybody, and especially the lesbian community, actually. So I felt it was time that we put a flag on it and. Uh, started identifying with it, um, which because it was still taboo, you know, when I started this out in 2014. Uh, it's still a little bit taboo now, but certainly more of a trend. Um, yeah, time to talk about it and get comfortable with it and express ourselves without fear of judgment. And I, I think there's been just doing too much shaming on bi women for a long time. So here we have a voice and um, yeah, we're happy to to celebrate it. Absolutely. I feel that there is just in general, just shame around women exploring their sexuality in whichever way. 
Um, right. <laughs> right. Like if, if it, it doesn't matter what type of like what your sexual orientation is, like you're not supposed to, I feel like we're not supposed to get out of this, like those rules that they're kind of unsaid in a way and exploring your sexuality is bad. That makes us sluts. I hate that word, by the way. Mm. Uh, but slut shaming is just so rampant. Um, so first of all, when you just, I mean, just listening to this, I feel that that was very brave of you uh, <laughs> creating this space. Um, and I want to know what, what is it that inspired you? What sparked that idea in you? Uh, honestly, frustration. I didn't, didn't like the way the world was uh, and, and partly still is. I'd been to a sex party with an ex-boyfriend. It was my treat. It was his birthday present. <laughs> and, you know, secretly I wanted to meet other women who might identify the same way as myself. And I honestly was so disappointed by the experience. I, you know, I was, I paid for my ticket, but I was grabbed like a piece of meat on entering like this oh. event. And I just felt sad, really, that I, I couldn't fulfill the experience that I was expecting. And also the women I met there were very much puppet for their male partner. They were clearly being dressed by him, paid for by him. Uh, and they were being sent out to fetch women for him and perform you know, with her in front of him. I just thought, how sad is this world where women can't think for themselves? I, I get there's a total inequality when it comes to money and men are paid far too much uh, compared to women. And that, that is certainly part of the problem. But, you know, we need to up our confidence a level or two because we don't ask for what we want. And that's a lot of the way we've been nurtured and the way our parents have raised us to you know to be a nice girl and sit quietly in the corner and don't upset anybody or all those types of messaging we get from unfortunately our own mothers that they haven't helped and you know we live in a day of age now where uh, information is is the skill that you need to, to to get a good job and you don't need to to be a strong man and be able to do farming or um you know had the right network in the boys club like there is opportunity for women now to rise to the top quickly and there are a couple of hurdles absolutely but I think one of the main hurdles is that confidence in yourself so this is the crux of why skirt club I think is so important it's not just to discover your sexuality but also to instill confidence in your life you know as I like to say at Skirt Club, we have a motto, confidence bedroom to boardroom. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you firsthand that as soon as I started acknowledging my, my own sexuality, expressing it, feeling brave about it, asking what I wanted in the bedroom, I sort of honestly felt like a different person. I felt reborn. I walked into the office feeling like I was calling the shots and I rose to the occasion. I started asking for what I wanted all the, to all parts of my life. And, you know, it was, it was welcomed, quite honestly. I, I didn't get any pushback from my male colleagues. In fact, they enjoyed that somebody else was taking the reins off. It, it's, you know, there's also this sort of, I think it's a, a very wrong assumption that, that men always want to be in charge of, with everything. They don't. They, they, they quite likely share, happily share, um, you know, some of the responsibility you just need to step up and take it sometimes it's um yeah I, I do think that's be, that's part of the issue here so 
we're instilling confidence in our women as well. And uh, we're having fun along the way with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I hear you. And um, the one thing that comes to mind, you know, talking about how women in general, we're lacking confidence, right? And it's just, I think that just everything around us, and since we were born, we're conditioned to not be confident in ourselves, <laughs> mm. to be like everything around us tells us you're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you know, nice enough. You're not cute enough. You're never going to be enough. And so I feel that women in general, were just trying to like, always trying to like prove to other people that we're actually worth something. Um, and it's sad because I, I saw it on, on myself as well when I was younger. I see it in so many young women. I still see it in women who are my age and even older. I'm on my, in my late 30s now. And I feel that that kind of confidence that you're talking about is just so desirable, I guess, right? Um, how, how have your, the people that belong to your club have they, I'm sure they have shared experience with you, experiences in terms of what that confidence has brought them outside of those events, right? Has, has, have you heard any stories that like stick out to you that you would like to share? Absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's the main driver as to why I do this job. It's, um, if you can call it a job, but it, you know, it, it's that email I get or that thank you letter or the words I read in the guest book. On a, you know, usually sort of after after the weekend, after a party that I've hosted, and and it's just the most heartfelt thanks for helping them see the light that this had changed the way they feel about themselves, life changing. You know, so so happy to feel free and to really understand. Like it felt like the meaning of life. You know, oh my god, I'm I'm I am myself. Something just clicks and then connects. Yeah, and it feels it feels incredible. That's beautiful. And I saw one of the videos that you know promote Skirt Club, and they were interviewing somebody who's part of your of the club, and she was saying something like that that club wasn't just you know having sort of like paying a membership and just having access to these parties, but it's also it also feels like a community. Like everyone's just so supportive of each other. Um during this yeah. event and also like in your website um so it is a community you've actually founded a great community that builds confidence <laughs> in women <laughs> and that absolutely delights me because we've done it ourselves together with without the investment from you know some rich billionaire man let's face it i mean we wasn't going to come from anywhere else I, and we've done it ourselves just with blood sweat and tears and a lot of love and effort you know I love that we've built it ourselves as women without the help of a single man and I think that's really important uh, to know it's it's made with love I completely agree with you and also you have built it yourselves in you know women and and boys are not allowed in this club no at way all. no way <laughs> <laughs> never my dead body <laughs> So, because this is one of the things that um, I love about spending time with women in general, I found that when there is a man in the group, the energy shifts somehow. It's strange. When there isn't a man, uh, it feels like more of a sorority in a way. 
Um, and I, I'm talking from my experience, I actually went to this, um, I'm a kite surfer and I went to mm. a female kite surfing camp and it was just women. And I was one of the younger, one of the youngest, yes. Um, and we were in Morocco and there were no guys in the group. And it was just so much fun to feel that energy of we're women, we're, you know, having fun, we're being silly and goofy and we have to prove nothing to anyone, right? Mm. Is that sort of like how that feels, this, this parties, these events for you? Yeah, and actually that, this is a really important point because women, when they are, when they meet what it looks, everyone who comes to our events is coming usually alone. So they're already feeling quite vulnerable. And when they meet for the first time, they, <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing to listen to. Tons of cooing and compliments and darling darlings and cocktails and just very like everyone has to say something lovely about each other's dress or hair or makeup. And it's genuine, you know, it's really lovely. And I think it's really heartfelt. And no one feels like they have to impress. Mm-hmm. And they're also, because they're not competing. It just, who are they competing for? They, they, they come to be together, all of them, right? So there's none of that bad energy that comes when there's a man in the room and you've got suddenly two women that start, <laughs> like peacock feathers yeah. come up and they start competing over them, <laughs> boasting about what each other's like assets are. And, um, I, I don't know why we do that. I guess it's just so, something so instinct in us. Yeah. I think so too. And now you have 15,000 members globally. Yeah, I think we just hit 16,000 actually last week. So yeah, it's good. Wow. Good. <laughs> that, that's a, a big community. I mean, um, especially for women to be, you know, in this, in this club that explores sexuality and they explore, you know, um, I, I really would like to just, if you could, describe to me and my audience a little bit how these parties are how these events are created and also because you talk about luxury experiences and I would really love to know a little bit more uh, about how that process of creating these events is um well first of all I will admit guilty to being a bit of a stickler for detail (laughs) and uh I, I do like to throw a good party and I, I've something I've always liked to do right before Skirt Club and I like things done a certain way. So we're going to, there's going to be good champagne. There's going to be excellent cocktails. There's mm-hmm. going to be a, a, a fabulous ambient. And I'm, I'm going to book a burlesque performer or somebody um, who will entertain us in a very sensual way. And I, I also like to, in, I think it's really important that we have speakers at our events because it's a great, it makes a great talking point for everyone to discuss afterwards. But also um, we need to keep learning as women always. So I know we get called a sex party every so often. The, the press love it. Uh, they love to call us the, Oh, the lesbian sex party for straight girls. I think I've seen that headline 15 times now. Wow. <laughs> Rarely are our members straight or lesbian. So, I mean, the whole thing is wrong, but it's, it, it, you know, it's not really, if you've ever been to a sex party, it's not like one at all because there's a, there's a whole program to it. And there's a theme, there's a dress code. Like everyone is, has come dressed for the part. And also they get a little out of, you know, they get into a new character. So they a lot of women use pseudonyms and I think it helps you know because it helps them 
they'll feel like there's somebody else for the night, a little alter ego perhaps, but something to really get them out of their skin and um, let go, uh, be somebody else. So yeah, there's, there's so many things that come with running a good event, but it's all about detail and it's all about getting the timing right and being organized and planning far ahead. The more notice that you can give guests, the more will show up, right? So I, I tend to put a three-month timeline in for any event that I'm hosting. Um, we do have a lot of members that fly in as well. So, you know, they're very keen to see the full schedule for the year up front. So January, I'm usually, usually I have my whole schedule for the year already planned out. Um, and then I add to it from there. But for the big events, that's important, especially um, in the US where a lot of LA comes to New York and vice versa. Uh, a lot of London comes into New York. A lot of New York goes into London. So we allow allow them to plan their diaries. I know for a fact that women are planning their Christmas shopping around the Skirt Club party in New York, uh, that they're planning their trip to Europe around our Ibiza event in October. You know, so I, it's important I get them those dates quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the poor family just gets slotted in. Like I can already, I already have one a member in, in, who's in Austin, Texas, who's like, okay, so I'm gonna do this Europe like trip, like um interrail trip and she's listing all the countries that she's going to and then I'll be in Ibiza for this date I'm going to leave the kids and the husband in the hotel next door and I'm going to come to your event I'm, just, I'm like of course Dolly of course <laughs> oh that, that sounds really fun you know planning those trips because that was the, the next question or more of it's not really a question it's, it's more of a statement but you actually hold these events in several series around the world yeah, about 16 cities. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, things grew pretty fast. Um, you know, we started in London, of course, because I was I'm from London. I was living there at the time. Um, but after two years, um, and it was hugely popular, after two years, I, I got married and um, the person I married was living in Miami. Uh, so I had to move there if I wanted to be with him. And it just, I just kept getting so much press, you know, without ever envisaging I mean I had no PR person or whatever it was just the idea just sold itself so well uh, and I was just constantly doing press interviews and then I thought well you know I'll open up in new cities America's clearly got an interest in this and so I opened Miami New York LA San Francisco and DC and most recently we started a chapter in Austin and I am actually going to go to Atlanta next weekend uh to to do a small opening there as well so yeah, outside of the US, we're in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, more recently Brisbane, and obviously uh, we have a small setup in Shanghai, China, mm -hmm. and we're looking at Singapore next. And I think in Europe, it's just Berlin. Um, Berlin, we've been hosting events since, since the start. And, uh, and this might surprise you, but all the other European cities are pretty quiet. They sort of express a little interest, but generally they're quite private. Mm -hmm. And they'd rather just keep this on the lowdown, and if they want, they'll fly into London, and that and that's good enough for them. They don't feel like we have we have a person in Milan and Madrid and Paris, and and Lisbon, but then they're not prepared to to put on like a, a show or anything just yet. They're, so, <laughs> they're like, yes, well, well, I'll bring some friends and we'll fly into London. We don't need to do events here. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting because whenever I think about Europeans in general there's a lot more they're more progressive i guess in that kind of you know that sex liberation in a way um that's my perception my personal perception um but you, what you're saying like it does come as a surprise but at the same time 
I lived in France for a while and I remember thinking, you know how they sell this idea that French people are like super romantic and like mm. French men are like the, <laughs> the best sex partners you could ever have. Yeah, I can tell on. you <laughs> for personal experience, that is not true. Not I, at all. I could back that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I lived in Paris for three years and most of my boyfriends and most of the people I dated when I was there were British. Ah. Uh. Good Most choice. of them. Yeah, they're they're awesome. <laughs> I like I like the Brits. They're amazing. So uh yeah, the French just didn't do it for me. Um so it's interesting. It's interesting how you can have that percep perception about certain cultures or certain communities and then it's completely different reality. <laughs> yeah. I think religion plays a role, you know. I think in those countries where they're more Catholic, there's certainly uh, a little a little adverse to any sort of any sort of any open marriage or any kind of out of the box type of romance there's a mm. pushback there um and a, a good a good example is miami actually where you know i've i've been living in miami now for 5 years i've hosted many events here but i've recently has just been focused more on cities like new york or san francisco or la because the latina population is particularly concerned about family finding out or you know just they're way more concerned than than your average american um about their situation so that it hasn't been as popular for that for that reason here and the members i do have in miami tend to be americans mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's and of course miami is like part of south america right so yeah like, yeah i mean you, you gotta speak spanish to get by here so, <laughs> so that is the main like uh population um demographic here in my in miami so so yeah it's, you know it's, people's need to to fit the status quo is is huge and it's hard to break through yeah that's true i i, I can completely understand that because well you know i'm, I'm latin american myself and mm -hmm. miami is the capital of latin america you're right that's what, well, that's what we call it <laughs> um and there is of course and like you said it's completely attached to religion it's just like the shame the shame uh we've been taught or conditioned since we're very young to feel ashamed of our bodies to feel ashamed of feeling any type of sexual um desire we are you know ashamed of 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 being women ashamed of wanting to be with other women if that's the case there's just so much shame around it and yeah it comes from catholicism unfortunately mm. so yeah that makes sense makes total sense um if anyone that is listening to us talk right now in my podcast would want to check out the skirt club what is the, the what is the address the um Ooh, yeah yeah the, yeah the website you can <laughs> find us at uh skirt club <laughs> .co.uk uh, because we're a British company, so it's a, hence the co.uk. Um, yeah, and you can you can sign up there on our website to join. Um, it'll take you two seconds to do that, um, and, and we should we should get your application approved in a, a day or two. So yeah, we can't wait. We can't wait to see you. Come join the fun. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, more the merrier. In any case, I'll leave you guys firecrackers who are listening to this podcast. I'm going to leave you the link in the description so you can click it and go and check out Skirt Club. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories. 
and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So Genevieve, I, I really want to know, when did you decide that you did not want to raise children? Yeah, so I, there was never really a decision early on. It was more, I never thought about it other than there was a fear of having to have children in order to please somebody else. I think it was that I always remember thinking, oh my God, I better enjoy these days because it's not long before I'll have to give up everything to, to raise a child. And it was definitely seen as a sacrifice and not something I was hugely looking forward to. Especially my for my mom, who was so into babies and children, and she was a school teacher of sort of elementary, sort of young children, and absolutely adored them, talked about them all day, all night. Um, and then, you know, she, you know, she had me, my sister, and my brother, right? So she she loved it, and she couldn't understand me when I talked about not looking forward to it, and she she just couldn't believe I was her child. So, you know, naturally, I felt like I really wanted to to do to make my mom happy but I, I also couldn't do this without really wanting to myself so yeah I think time went by and I was a, I always I always had re long relationships but I never got married until I was really sort of like 38 years old so by that point you know it, it was a choice of we had to have children immediately or not at all and um, my husband he, he wasn't he wasn't so keen either so we, we just decided together that we weren't we weren't going to do that but and that was such a relief, honestly, because I just didn't. I, just, I didn't, didn't want to do it. <laughs> God, and I know that sounds terrible, and I, but, you know, and this is the thing, right? It's the it's that fear of like everyone going, but it's it's your duty to as a, a woman to, and it's you know it's not actually. There are so many children in this world who are not loved enough or have no homes, um, no parenting, no money, no food to eat I mean why why do we have to have more children like why can't we just take care of the ones that we have I just it, it breaks my heart that there are all these kids you know yes in poorer countries obviously but also in rich nations like here in the USA I'm startled at how many people live on the breadline or what is meant to be a first world country a rich country you know so yeah I just I just think there's a lot of problems to fix um, before adding to one, but because that's what we're doing by having more children, we're overpopulated as a, as a as a planet, and our, our food systems are just really quite grotesque at the best of times. It's it's too it's the whole thing needs to be rethought. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> let's redo planet Earth, please, because yeah. this is not working. <laughs> not working. You know, it's, it's it's embarrassing that this day and age. Um, children still starving it's it just shouldn't be happening and I just think it's irresponsible to start birthing more babies where we've got terrible issues to fix I I completely agree with you so this is something you've never had that feeling you know that women say oh I just I just have this like really yearn I really yearn for a child you know that feeling of wanting to like birth something well I've never had that feeling I mean, have you? <laughs> no, to be honest, no. I have never had the feeling of I really need to like have a baby. Like, doesn't matter if I just like get myself pregnant from a rando. I just need to have like never, never, to be honest. And I thought I was going to have a, a child at some point in my life as well. But I find it interesting that 
we've been sold into this idea of our biological clock, right? Um, that it starts ringing when we really want to have a child and starts ticking away when we're losing our ability to become biological mothers, if there, as if there were any, any other ways to be a mom, right? Um, it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I, well, look, it depends. My, my sister definitely had a, a, a ticking clock. Like she, all she wanted to do was get married and have babies. That's all she wanted to do. And I just couldn't understand. Like I just, I never felt like that. So I, it, just, it just depends on each of us, I, I think. We're all different. Yeah. Um, but, but there needs to be respect for the fact that we're all different. I, I do feel that there's a lot of criticism out there for women who don't want to have children. And quite frankly, it's each of our own business. Stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. But I'm curious, um, since you've ne you never had that yearning, you decided to, you didn't want to have a, uh, you, wouldn't, you didn't want to have children. I'm, I'm assuming here that many of your friends, if not most of them, are mothers. All of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, all, all of them. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm an aunt to like, hunt, like, feels like 50 children. <laughs> and that's great. I love like um, being an aunt, or was it obviously a best friend's aunt, but you know, I, I love doting on, like, I get to jet in and jet out. I, I get to get them back. It's great. Um, I don't want to be there with them screaming all through the night. So <laughs> I'll take the playtime. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you, though, have you received any well, criticism or we call them bingos in the community from your friends or your family regarding your choice? Like you're going to regret it or some some sort of comment like that? Um, no, in fact, um, because I wasn't so sure myself, you know, we all, we all have different relationships and with with one person, you might not want to have children with another one you might. And I never knew if I might change my mind. I did freeze my eggs. Uh, when I was 38 so I always had a backup plan like if I ever had a change of heart um I say this but I, I secretly know that I only froze those eggs for my best mate uh Vicky because she, she was she was looking to have children and she didn't have any eggs and uh was having a hard time conceiving so I, I said listen I'm gonna freeze my eggs anyway and you can just have them it's very unlikely I'm going to use them so that, that was actually that's the real plan oh. but I but you know we never did they're still sitting in a freezer somewhere in Miami um so yeah I guess that gave me a little peace of mind that I could change my mind later if I wanted to but uh I never did no. and you feel happy that you never did like so far yes very happy about that no doubts no, not absolutely none like I, there's not a single second of a day I've ever looked back never and you know i find it interesting that you i don't know if this is true but this is something that um i understood from what from what you just told me about your husband you had the conversation of the babies after you got married or was it before um but after okay to, no there was a conversation definitely before we got married where i expressed vehemently that i did not want to have children and he didn't say much um and then and then when we got married he announced that he'd like to have twin girls and I kind of <laughs> fell off my chair because I was like twins <laughs> oh my god like one was like already a nightmare two at the same time Christ trying to break me so <laughs> there was a brief period where we kind of broke up and um yeah I just I just said look I thought we discussed this 
and he said yes but I feel differently now that we're married I feel it's the right thing to do my brother's having kids like I know but that doesn't mean that we have to like I I know like when you're so in love with somebody and you have all the, the love hormones flushing through your head like you want to do things like make babies together like it it feels good like it feels the right like you want to be so close to somebody but once you get over the honeymoon period all that goes away (laughs) (laughs) so you know thank god we survived it (laughs) and now if you ask him now he's like oh my god no I'd never have children so you know he he was just feeding it temporarily and then then it went yeah I've heard uh, I mean I've heard many stories of people discussing it before and then one of them has a change of heart after they get married, which is okay. I mean, people can change their minds. We're human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also heard stories of people not talking about it before they get married. And then when they get into their marriage and one of them is like, I'm never having kids. And one is like, I want to have seven. That's the end of the relationship. Uh, it's, it's not, there's no, there's no way to compromise <laughs> in that. You, right. know? you can't com- <laughs> either have them or you don't, you can't compromise, Let's have a kid that doesn't, doesn't happen, you know? So I find that, um, I liked asking about that, those type of, um, you know, conversations that people have with their partners or whatnot, because I, in the past few years, I've been telling guys straight up for first date, I don't want to have kids. And usually they're like, you're crazy. I don't want to see you again. <laughs> you're not normal. <laughs> uh, because that's what's happened. That, well, that's what happens here in Latin, Latin American countries. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a, a bigger expectation uh, at home where you are. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's something that you, I mean, definitely needs to be discussed with your partner openly. Uh, whenever you get the chance, hopefully before you get married and they don't know that you don't want to have kids and, you know, you just hear stories. <laughs> I am rumbling a little bit. Um, so <laughs> about your, your upbringing, I read that you lived in 16 different cities. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I like to move around. <laughs> you like to be free. You're a free soul. Oh, totally. Like you try and trap me and I will escape. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because I feel so like, I feel so, it's so relatable to me as well. Like that's one of the reasons why I don't want to have children. So I wanted to ask you, what is it that you enjoy the most about your childhood life other than your freedom? Is there anything specific that you're like, oh man, this is the best thing ever. I'm not changing this for children ever. Uh, just the ability to get up and go like you know I, I also like the fact that I, I I don't wear makeup or I you know I, I like I really like to have a get up and go lifestyle like I I purposely don't have a difficult hairstyle like it's just straight like I just want to be able to brush it and get out of the house like I, it's my I've made my life as simple as it can be so that I don't have to worry about you know taking care of like 50 other people before I can take care of myself um, and that way, you know, I'm full of energy. I can give my energy elsewhere. And, and it's honestly spreads a lot quicker. It's, it, I think it's a great way to live your life. Like you, you really sort of end up helping more people as a result. So, yeah, I, I love the travel as you've seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like, no kidding. <laughs> I, like, I like talking. 
I get deep very quickly, right? So we're going to have a coffee. You're probably going to tell, tell, end up telling me your life story as a result of that, of the, within the 15 minutes, whatever it is. Um, but it's, I think it's really nice to, to get to know people on a deep level very quickly. Um, it tells you, you know, I like to hear about people's struggles, oh, the loves of their lives and the, the, all their thrills and hopes and dreams. It's just, um, yeah, it really fills me with, yeah, lots of joy, I suppose. And I guess having children is not conducive to that. Mm, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. I mean, I, th- I feel everyone just has a different, of course, everyone has a different story and different experiences. And every, every single story that I hear is just so rich, right? Like everyone has like very rich lives in the sense that there's so much to tell. Um, that's one of the things that I like about having this podcast that I get to talk to women from all over the world, from different backgrounds, different stories, with just one thing in common. They don't want to have children. Um, And it's true, you know, being child-free gives you a lot more time and flexibility to do things like that and to help people in different ways, Um, which actually brings me to my next question. And this is something that we hear a lot as child-free people from people that don't understand why we would never want to have children, like they don't get it. Um, and it is about, about legacy, you know, for them, their legacy to the world is their children. <laughs> and they ask us, so if oh. you're not going to have children, <laughs> what is your legacy? So I'm asking you, Genevieve, what is your legacy to this world? Well, that one for me is easy. It's Scott Club because I have influenced affected and improved so many women's lives over the years that that will continue forward and scott club has certainly changed uh, the general opinion on bisexuality it's helped normalize it it's helped women feel more accepted about wanting and desiring um sex and, and not being ashamed of saying so so that's for me i i have my baby it's skirt club it's and uh, you know i never put any more effort into anything in my entire life I have given the last seven years unequivocally from morning until night like every waking hour nothing but this so for me this is my child um and you know she's old enough to walk on her own two feet now so it's it's uh it's a pleasure to watch her grow and all the women with her in some ways, I guess it's a great metaphor, I suppose, because I, I, I did have a child in the end. It's <laughs> just, well, it just a company instead. You had a, a brain child. I had a brain child, you're right. Um, but it's something I gave my unconditional love to mm-hmm. um, and poured my entire savings into. So it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're right. Um, there's something I'm curious about um, just before I let you go, um, because unfortunately we're running out of time, but you've mentioned um, at the beginning of our conversation and just now something about how bisexual women are viewed in a different light, um, not only by people from the LGBT community, LGBTQ plus, I always get that wrong. Um, There's an I and A as well (laughs) it just continues yeah yeah plus uh but also you know from people who are not part of that community and i just wanted to ask you briefly um what is that that view you know how people view bisexual women how is it that you felt that 
um, that you actually found that um, creating a community for bisexual women was something that works and actually has been growing? Well, I never planned this, honestly. It was, it was a passion project that went wild. So I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, I ran with it and I just responded to what women wanted. So I listened and I gave them what they wanted. And that was as simple as that. I, you know, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's funny because in an era of entrepreneurship and startups, I always get asked, what was your three month plan? What was your 90 day, you know, what what was, where's your strategy? Where's your, where, who are your investors? And like, no guys, I just did this. Like it wasn't, (laughs) this just happened. (laughs) It's like having a child. It just happened. It just happened. (laughs) And I just had to go. And like they're they're Oh my God. You should have seen my face about a year ago. I looked absolutely bedraggled. Like I, I, it looked like I hadn't slept for about five years. And, um, actually this pandemic's been a blessing because I've actually had some time off for the first time in ages but uh but yeah you know it's, this is sure, sure I can write a marketing plan a strategy I can I can do all that but you know what you do those things when you need to do them and I I have you know an, enough women willing to pick up the phone and tell me what they want all day every day <laughs> I don't need to do a survey like I I am constantly barraged with women telling me how they feel what they want to see next, how they'd like it delivered to them. So it's, it's great communication. Um, social media allows me to talk to lots of people at once. So mm-hmm. it, it works, you know, it's worked. Um, you know, of course, we're gonna have, <laughs> we are pivoting right now to bring our events online because the reality is in real life events are going to have to be limited for the future. Like we, we will always have to take precautions. So, you know, there's... We're, we're moving with that and I don't, I don't have the answer just yet but I know that it will come to me and then they will figure it out together and that is the cool thing about having uh, a business of your own you can you can work with the things that it throws your way right right and you can take your time to make the right decision versus you know having a shareholders or a board who demands profit like mm. every they want to see their numbers going up well I would have had a heart attack by this point, you know, delivering <laughs> bad news every month. Like, yeah. there's, there's no way but an events company can make money in a pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that I own my company 100%. I'm, I don't have to answer to anybody but myself um, and my members who want to know what's going to happen next. And I'm going to make the right, the right and responsible decision for them always. I'm not going to, you know, throw, throw a party where everyone's going to catch COVID. I don't, I've seen plenty of that going on in LA, you know. <laughs> and look at where LA is right now I, I I just can't I just don't want blood on my hands and I I just think it's the the right thing to do is wait we can all cross our legs like <laughs> just, <laughs> a bit. Darling, just cross your legs and wait like <laughs> get out that trusty vibrator you're gonna need it <laughs> yeah I think uh, many women have felt that way during this pandemic uh god it's um it's such a pleasure talking to you and I, I love what you brought to this conversation uh, and I love the fact that you've created this safe space for women who needed it because if you've had all this great response it's because women needed this space that you created yeah. um before I let you go is there anything else you would like to add to our interview anything at all well I'm 
I'm going to take a huge guess that anyone listening to your podcast is already of the mindset that they're not they're not looking to have children or just I guess feeling their way as to if that's acceptable and my answer for you is it certainly is please please do oh I'm sorry that pinged please please do what's right for you don't have a child to please somebody else it'll end up with unhappiness for both of you and an unborn baby doesn't need that so just do just do what's right for you and everything else will fall into play Thank you, Genevieve. Those are very wise words. Uh, so firecrackers, I'm going to leave you with this. And like I mentioned, I'm going to leave you all the links to Genevieve's uh, Skirt Club, the website, and also her social media so you can follow her. Thank you so much for being here again. It was such a pleasure having you. Oh, thank you, my love. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the Kidfree community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire. <laughs>